podcast has bad words. <laughs> this is the Minimalists Private Podcast. I'm Joshua Fields Milburn here with Ryan Nicodemus. What up? Hello, patrons. Dude. I love our patrons. I do too. I love them so much. Ryan, today we're going to talk about unnecessary consumption. We're going to answer a bunch of surprise questions. But first, let's read some more about less. This is from The High Price of Materialism by Tim Kasser. And this is a, a summary to the first chapter. I just wanted to read this because I thought it would be a great point for us to have a little uh, discussion. The first chapter ended with the question, what happens to the quality of our lives when we value materialism? The answer, as we have seen from the studies described, is the more materialistic values are at the center of our lives, the more our quality of life is diminished. In samples of adolescents, college students, and adults with various means with various means of measuring materialistic values and well-being, results show a clear pattern of psychological and physical difficulties associated with holding wealth, popularity, and image as relatively important. Other investigators, same, find, same findings as the subtitle here. My confidence that materialistic values are associated with relatively low well-being and psychological health is bolstered by the fact that other investigators have reported parallel results. For example, using the aspiration index or similar scales, four groups of investigators replicated our results in college students, business students, and entrepreneurs. Specifically, these studies showed that materialistic values are, associ are associated with low self-actualization and low well-being, as well as more antisocial behavior and narcissism. Let me put that in layman's terms. The more materialistic we are, the more self-centered, the more narcissistic, and the less well and less actualized we are, the less giving we are also. Hence, the high cost of materialism. I mean, that's the highest cost, right? Yeah, man. And maybe that, maybe that should be the alternate title here. The highest price How do you like is materialism. Well, I think our new book, Love People Use Things, will do a good job of helping people get a foundation for what are the most meaningful things in life? Yeah. But people ask us all the time. They're like, how do you like, uh, <clears throat> they'll be like, Ryan, I get the whole minimalism thing. I get it, man. Right. Money doesn't buy happiness. Intellectually. I am there. However, I still really want to try it out for myself. Yeah. And it's hard for me not to chase it. So the, uh, something that I'm questioning right now is how do you get someone in that position uh -huh. to look at this book or, or look at what this book is trying to say and, and help them emotionally grasp like, hey, when you go after the materialism, you're going to, this is the cost that you actually pay. Yeah. Because that is not apparent in our society. Even though we, we see it with, um, name a celebrity that has had a breakdown, you know? Britney Spears. Sure. Uh, you see what it had, what it did to Britney. Like she was probably one of the most, when she had her breakdown, she's probably one of the most famous people in the world. Sure. One of the richest people in the world. Yeah. Obviously it didn't do it for her. Right. How is it that we don't see that side of it? Instead, we still are like, yeah, she was doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. You always hear this with, uh, with any of us. Now, well, actually let me answer your question with a question. I think this will allow us to discuss this. Why do you wear a seatbelt? 
Um, I don't, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's as a, it's as a precaution, right? It's a, it's a, it's a just for. It's an emergency item. Yeah, that's what it is. Just for emergencies. Yeah, it's a just for it's a just in case. So in our minimalist rule book, we talk about the one acceptable type of emergency item, or one acceptable type of just in case item is an emergency item. Yes, a first aid kit probably doesn't fall under my seasonality rule. At least I hope it doesn't. With yeah. you, it probably does. You're always cutting your hands and stuff, your feet especially. How is a seatbelt going to help me? <laughs> 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 I don't know. Maybe a straight jacket would, though. <laughs> Definitely. No, the reason you wear a seatbelt is not because you've gotten into a car crash. Yeah. Uh, now, you maybe you have or maybe you haven't been in a car crash. I'm not using you as a, a specific example. Well, actually, I am a good example because I did get into a car crash, uh-huh. and I did have my seatbelt on. Right, right. But before that, there was a time you were wearing your seatbelt before you got into your first car crash. Yes, but what I'll tell I guess what I'm thinking is that when Mariah and I got into a car crash, my uh-huh. seatbelt hadn't been a habit uh, up, you know, basically two or three years before that is when I started making it a habit. You're, you're proving my point. What I'm trying to say yeah. here is that you don't have to get into a car crash in order to start right. wearing your seatbelt. Yes, yes, yes. And I think the same thing is true with minimalism. You don't have to experience all the riches of the Western world. You you need uh, mm. experience peak opulence. You don't need the Louis Vuitton fa- face mask. Just to realize it isn't going to buy you happiness. Right, just to realize it isn't going to filter air better for you or, mm. or make you more content or satisfied. In fact, what you'll find in this book, The High Price of Materialism, is the opposite is often true. Uh, money amplifies, uh, amplifies isolation. It mm. amplifies non-communal behaviors. Yeah. It, it amplifies discontent quite often. It alienates us in ways that uh, we didn't expect, right? Now, it's not the money that does that. We, we talked about this on the minimal episode. It's what we do with the money. Right. When we start spending it on, on, on decadence, when we start spending it on distractions, because... I mean, let's face it, Ryan, you and I have done a lot of great things with money over the last decade, uh, having the ability to do that. Yeah. We've we built an elementary school. We built a we funded a high school in Kenya for a year. Mm-hmm. We helped out with the victims of the Las Vegas sniper shooting. Yeah. Uh, the surviving victims of that. Yeah. Uh, we helped out with the Pulse nightclub shooting victims. Yeah. Built some wells. Well, yeah, we built th- at least three uh, clean water wells in Malawi. We helped build a... Well, it's, it's being built right mm-hmm. now. We'll open in 2021, the, the grocery store mm-hmm. in, uh, on the west side of Dayton. And we still give to, uh, the, to Charity Water. Yeah, we give yeah. to Charity Water. We also give to givewell.org yeah. every month. And oh, yeah, we bought some malaria-preventing items. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so the malaria nets. So, so um, money will help <laughs> malaria us. Malaria net. <laughs> I mean, is it a mosquito net? Okay, yeah, okay all right, yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah, just... but they're laced with malaria. Because, <laughs> you know, small doses inoculate <laughs> Yeah, it's a vaccine. Um, no, uh, the, the, what we do with money there, I'm not saying all that stuff to, to brag or boast to you. In fact, it's because we are able to have this influence on a certain number of people that we you know, are able to get their buy-in and they help contribute to some of these things as well. We give our own money, but then we also get, we encourage others. And mm-hmm. the rest are actually the reason that I say this, not to boast, but to say, hey, you're able to contribute beyond yourself as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's the only thing worth doing. You want to secure your own oxygen mask before helping people with their with others. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think that can sometimes be the problem we have is uh, many of us either we're very very selfish and that's the materialist thing yeah. or you've 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 come across the over solicitous person 
where they all they ever want to do is help. So you're at their house and they're 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 clean. They take your shoes off for you and they they bring your ice water out and they're cleaning stuff off and and they're constantly um, it. It's almost like you know when you have a parent that is doing everything for a child, it's infantilizing, right? Yeah. And and that person doesn't isn't able to actually contribute as much as they want because they may not be taking care of themselves. Mm. And so there's a, a really nice balance of being able to look inward, take care of ourselves, be self-interested without being selfish, mm-hmm. making that distinction, but then also being able to to contribute to other people with with that resource and so there's one other uh, excerpt in this book that i thought was worth discussing really quickly it's toward the end of the book this is in chapter seven uh this chapter discusses many ways in which an orientation to materialistic values works against authenticity and autonomy materialistic values are associated with placing little value on freedom and self-direction think about that for a second thereby Mm. decreasing the likelihood of satisfying these needs before i continue let's talk about that so so quite often we we think we want money, but we actually want freedom. Right. And but our pursuit of money when we're working eighty hours a week actually removes the the freedom and autonomy we so desperately seek. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly where I was. I mean, I, my goal was like, oh, I'm just going to save up a million dollars, and then yeah, I, I don't know. Five years later, after the corporate world, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have that much money saved, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have no freedom, but that was that was the motivation to simplify. It was the, getting the time back. Mm-hmm. It was able to see like, oh, like I have. I'm doing exa- what that, exactly what that book is saying. Like I have given up freedoms in the pursuit of freedom, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it'd have been different. Let's say I gave seven years or ten years of my life. And I actually got the freedom out of it. Uh huh. The problem is, is like it was a misnomer. Yes. You know. Yeah, because it it is it, it's almost like creating this uh, the, this false equivalency. Like, if I give up freedom now, I get it later. But freedom doesn't really work that way. Yeah. Um, makes me think of Object A. That oh Peter yeah. Peter Rollins talks about a lot. Yeah, it's, we did a whole episode on Desire with with Peter Rollins about yeah. this. It's talk like, about that? yeah, object A is essentially you're looking at it, whatever that object is, metaphorically or literally. Yeah, it, it, it could be a, it could be a car, it could be a house, it could be a relationship, it could be a religion. Yeah, it could be financial freedom. Yes, and you're looking at it and you're saying, once I get there, then I'll finally be happy. Right, I'll finally be content. And the problem is that once you get object A, whatever it is, there's something else that will take its place. Ooh, so. Let's say the Louis Vuitton mask. That's what's on my mind right now. I'm like, oh, I just got to get it. Got to get it, man. I'm going to, people are going to look at it and be like, oh, man, that guy's got money and I'm going to get women. Successful. Success. I'm going to work to my next interview and I'm going to get hired (laughs) because it's going to do all these things for me. And then like I get the mask and quickly realize like, oh, like the Louis Vuitton doesn't, the Louis Vuitton mask doesn't make me a different person. Right. So you know what? It wasn't the Louis Vuitton mask. It was the Louis baton purse that i needed uh-huh <laughs> it's a, there's always something that's going to replace it but eventually hopefully you get to a point where you get object a and josh i know you got to this point like we, we kept getting our object a and then it'd be replaced then we get that next object a so on and so forth but the thing is is like we got to a point where we realized like oh what we actually want 
is contentment. What we want is happiness. What we want is freedom. And there's nothing that's literally going to give us that happiness or that, um, I, I, like I cringe when I say happiness because I don't think happiness is the point. I think it's, you know, the point is living a meaningful life, but, uh, it got to a point where we realized like, Oh, we can live a meaningful life without object day. There will still be object day. I still have a couple of object days, mm-hmm. but I also understand that for what they are. Yeah, you, you formed a detente with the, the fact that it's not going to bring you everlasting ha- happiness. It's not going to bring you fulfillment. Here's what it will bring you, and I think we need to be honest about this. Object A, when you get it, will usually bring you pleasure. And I yes. think that's where we get confused. We think, well, if I get that thing, then I'll have everlasting pleasure. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, there's never, ever such a thing as everlasting pleasure, right? right. In fact, that sounds miserable, right? It, it sounds great, uh, but think, I, I think about you know the, the ultimate pleasure, which is probably an orgasm, right? Sure. If you had that all day, it would be terrible. You couldn't function. Dude, um, heroin is very orgasmic from okay. what I hear. Ecstasy is orgasmic. I mean, it's like you can get orgasmic. You can go out and pay for it. Right. But yeah, it's like, look at whoever's like, I finally figured it out. Right. The secret to life is heroin. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and by the way, it feels that way when you're doing it, uh-huh. I assume, right? Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I assume too, yeah. I mean, you you did the opioid thing for a long time. We talk yeah. about that in the new book. Which, so I, uh, yeah, actually, it's a great point. Like, yeah, fentanyl can get you to orgasmic levels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but of course, two things. One is that's not going to last, but two, it doesn't make you a, a functional or even rational human being. Uh, it doesn't make you much of a human being, really. Right. It's uh, it's a human blah. Like you're yeah. just sort of. You're just okay with being blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and so I think we we obviously want to avoid that. Let me return to the text here. Okay. Individuals strongly concerned with materialistic values also enter experiences already focused on obtaining rewards and praise rather than ongoing. Rather than on enjoying the challenges and inherent pleasures of those activities, this reminds me of, you know, when we were, um, when we first started uh, going down that corporate road, right? And you we were rather materialistic, but then the other things that I pursued were also sort of status things, trophies, literally sometimes like presidents' club awards or rewards yeah. and. Uh, commission checks, but 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 the the things where it was acknowledgement, it, it had nothing to do with the actual work that we were doing. It was always outcome driven. Right. And for me, I know some of the most joyous times I have right now are well, I can think of three really. Like one is when you and I are when it's really working with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not. And, and especially when I'm not concerned about like what is it is this going to be the the right outcome and the right. right episode when it's just going well, then man like it's it's phenomenal yeah and and of course that doesn't happen all the time it's not it's not a hundred percent pleasurable when when it's when we get to that flow state time just goes out the window and everything is just going great writing is very similar to me because it's it's communicative and expressive to a imaginary sort of reader. So there is joy being exchanged there, but it's ultimately not about that outcome of, well, the book will be 379 pages and it'll be, you know, 12.2 yeah. font set in Garamond typeface. And I mean, 
that's all fine, mm-hmm. but really the joy isn't from, look, I published the book. Right. No, the joy is from when I'm writing the book and that sentence worked really well, or I may have deleted a thousand words this morning, but mm-hmm. I, I needed to do that because it got me to this one paragraph that really communicates viscerally what I'm trying to communicate. Yeah. And then sex is the, the third thing I can think of where... Or, yeah, or with the book though, I mean, there is a piece of it too where you publish it and then someone like sends you an email and they're like, dude, how many times have people come up to us and they're like, you guys saved my life. You don't even know it. It's amazing. And that is like, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, it's incredible. But yeah, it's not the, it's not the act of publishing the book. It's not like, oh, okay, great. We've made some money from this book and now we're happy. And all of those things are almost like icing on the cake. When someone yeah. comes up to you and says, hey, you know, my, one of my favorites is there was a couple in uh, Kansas City. I actually saw them in Missoula. It was at uh, my daughter's birthday party, mm-hmm. I don't know, three or four, five years ago. Yeah. And um, we were at this, this place and this couple came up to me and they said, hey, we met in Kansas City because we were both reading everything that remains oh, yeah. in this coffee shop, right? And... And if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have started flirting with each other. We certainly wouldn't. We would have never gotten married. Mm. And what we realized is like, oh, this person's reading this. They're probably asking the same questions at the same time in my life that I'm asking these questions about Mm -hmm. materialistic values. And I should... I should at least talk to them and, and acknowledge them because they they might share similar values to me. They have similar interests as well. And and so now if that was my objective when writing the book... I'd be dissatisfied with all the time until that actually happened, right? Yeah. Because the likelihood of that happening is next to zero, right? But when those amazing things happen or someone comes up and they don't even say it changed my life. They say, hey, because of you, I was able to get rid of about 10% of my stuff. And it made some room for some more meaningful experiences. Great. That to me is not what I was aiming for necessarily. Mm-hmm. In fact, I wasn't. I don't. wasn't really aiming for a particular thing. I wanted to get this out there because this book hadn't been written before, right? Mm-hmm. And and the outcome was not something I was really focused on. I was focused on let's write this, and what whatever happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that it has influenced a certain number of people. But I'm I, I'm also. Uh, Whenever I try to time something that way, plan something that way, it it's having a high expectation. And I find that sometimes my standards actually struggle mm. when I when I get it backward like that. Yeah. When I'm ju- and it's the reason I have such a problem with goals mm. in general. I think goals can be helpful if they get you to take action when you're in a crater. Like getting out of debt is probably a, a good quantifiable goal if you give it yourself a particular time frame. Yeah. But I feel like once you're out of a crater, I think goals are actually a hindrance mm. quite often because they are engines of discontent quite often. Yeah. And and you know, I, I did that experiment back in 2011, 100 days with no goals uh, that I wrote an essay for. You can, I think, just Google my name and 100 days with no goals. Or maybe Sean can... Uh, it was on Leo Babauta's site, but he he took uh, he like took his whole site down and started over. I think, and uh, we have a a PDF on it somewhere on our website. But uh, the hundred days with no goals was this experiment. In fact, I didn't even know how long that I wanted to do it because I didn't want there to be a goal of having mm-hmm. no goals. Yeah. And so I just said I'm going to live without goals for a while. And I found that instead of having goals, having habits or rituals or standards specifically, having very high standards 
and uh, it's it's uh, uh, we write about this in Love People Use Things. Uh, coach John Wooden is the winningest coach in NCAA history, mm-hmm. and he always encouraged his team. It's just like one quick paragraph in the book, but basically he he always encouraged his team to never look at the score scoreboard, right. even if they were winning or losing. Like it, it didn't matter what the scoreboard said, even at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. They only won if they felt like they won. Right. And so you could have beat a team by 50 mm-hmm. and lost. Right. But you also could have... Lost by 50. Lost by 50 and won. Yeah. Because you did the best you could do given the resources you have. That's what I mean when I say raise your standards. Yeah. I have a question for you, Ryan. What's your question? Most, some of our most popular episodes, maybe all, the majority of our most popular episodes are episodes when it's just me and you. Yeah. Now I'm wondering why that is. Because we're awesome. <laughs> no, man. You know, I love I love the compliment, which we received several times of, uh, usually at our events. Maybe somebody tweeted this, but they're like, love you guys because, Josh, you really speak to my intellect mm-hmm. and to my brain. And Ryan, you really speak to my uh, compassion and my heart. Yeah, the head and the heart. Yeah. And... It's interesting because, like, when we do, even when we do episodes by ourselves, mm-hmm. it's like half of the people will be like, "That's great," and the other half are like, "Oh, I really miss the other minimalist." For sure, yeah. So it's like, I don't know, man. We it's symbiotic, man, and like I think we're really lucky, especially because we know each other by proximity. Really, mm-hmm. like it's not even something that. Um, yeah, we just got lucky, man. Yeah, well, it, it started out as proximity, and it lasted because it was no longer predicated on proximity, right? Yeah. Because you and I could go any different direction right now, but that's not. You know, it, there's still proximity here, but the important part is is the value driven nature of of the relationship. Yeah. And while we still have different beliefs, I, I'd just be interested to hear what uh, our patrons specifically, that's why I didn't bring this up on the minimal episode. Leave us a comment. Let us know, would you, would you like to see more of these duo episodes that are guestless? We're not, we're not going to go to no guests at all, unless you all just hate the guests in general. Then we, I, I oh, know you all really I love enjoy that question. the guests. Mm-hmm. I, I just love to know what is the appropriate balance for you. So do me a favor. Go ahead, do us a favor. Go ahead and comment and say, which do you like better, the guest episodes? Because if that, if so, great. Um, and by the way, you don't get to pick. Well, I like these seven guests. You know, It's either guests or no guests. Which ones do you like better, guests or no guests? Overall, in totality, right? Do you like the guest episodes or do you like the duo episodes? We're not going to go to 100% one or the other. I'm just interested to hear which do you prefer and then what do you think the appropriate percentage is? Is it 50-50? Is it 25-75? I don't know whether we'll make any changes, but I'm just really interested in what your point of view is. So uh, if you're a patron listening to this, head on over to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash The Minimalist. This post in particular for the audio version, let us know what you think. I wonder if we should put a poll out on Twitter. No, I don't want it to be on Twitter. I want to know what the patrons think. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and that's why I, I didn't bring it up on, on the minimal because mm. uh, that's... Their opinions are more important. Well, they, they are because... No, we, they, can tr- we can trust their opinions. They, they've proven yeah. that you know that they are the, the true fans of, of the podcast, right? Yeah. I want to talk about the history of materialism. Mm. We talked about that Lao Tzu quote, mm-hmm. and I just want to re- reread it because it's super short, but I think it's... 
It's appropriate here. Yep. Chase after money and security and your heart will never unclench. Care about people's approval and you will be their prisoner. Do your work, then step back. That's the only path to serenity. Yeah. So materialism, we often think of it as, as a new problem. And I think, I think consumerism is a new problem. Mm. I think materialism is a, a problem that has existed probably, I think there are two or three potential time frames. One is maybe about, about 2,500 years ago yeah. when, when Western civilization was really taking off and we, we, we began to see material abundance. Now I use that word loosely, relative abundance. You know, Now it would be considered deprivation but right. back then we were starting to see more abundance now we there certainly wasn't an industrial revolution yet that in fact that's another time period where you could argue is was the onset of consumerism i think yeah but in terms of materialism i think you can go back about 2500 2000 years because that's when a lot of philosophers really started talking whether it's lao Tzu uh, out east or oh interesting yeah uh, the 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 stoics i didn't even think about that but yeah the problem probably started when it was when it started to be written about right yeah right hmm. i think you could go back even farther around 5000 years that's when uh, debt was invented basically oh wow and so there's a whole book about the history of debt that i i read for love people use things i ended up not using the the section in the final chapter but hmm. um the there's this whole history of debt and it goes back about 5000 years when hmm. we we started doing debt right and then so i i guess you could argue that while if there was debt, that was maybe the, the first kernel, potentially, of materialism, because debt often leads to material. Abil the ability to go into debt can lead to materialism, yeah. as we, you and I certainly know from our 20s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think the third argument is the sort of Christopher Ryan argument in Civilized to Death is our civilization, which we think of as a good word, we think of uncivilized as bad, what he tries to do is in civilized to death is sort of flip that on its head and say, well, no, uncivilized might actually be the, uh, in fact, we, we call it uncivilized, but it could just be default. Yeah. Uh, default humanity is uncivilized and right. we have, we've become Such a unnatural. Good book. Such a good book. It's one of my yeah, six favorites, six, six books I wish I would have written. It's one of them. Um, now, I think you, that's about ten to twelve thousand years ago when we we were we, we, civilized. Yeah, we, yeah. we were sort of uh, what what's the uh, the you all Harari quote? He said um, we didn't domesticate wheat; we domesticated us. Oh yeah, from sapiens. Yeah. yeah, and and what I like about that is I realize like it wasn't really an intentional thing. We're gonna set up in these small areas and we're going to form cities and have right. currency and language mm. and writing. No, 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 we didn't think about any of that. It was like, oh, look, there's food. Yeah. And uh, I guess we'll just kind of hang out here for a while. You know what? Let's plant some more of this food. Right. It's easier for us. We don't have to go out and break our backs. And, right. and uh, of course, that's, how, that's what started civilization in a way. Right. But there are so many ailments that have come along with, with civilization, disease and everything else. Yeah. The problem is we can never go back. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. In mm -hmm. fact, it'd be far easier to put toothpaste back in the tube than it would to become a Hadza at yeah. this point. Right. So um, we don't have a choice, but we, the choice we do have is to live more deliberately within the society that has been constructed for us. Totally. And so I think the history of materialism is a fascinating thing. Minimalism is a antidote to that. And the extreme version of materialism is consumerism. 
it's uh, which which I would define as compulsory consumption, not just impulsive consumption. That's part of it, right. but compulsory. The feeling like we must do this. In fact, yeah. we even use that language, don't we? I have to have it. Gotta have it. Yeah. Gotta have it. Man. Can't live without it. Yeah. And uh, I think that mentality leads us to do some pretty risky unnecessary even dangerous things that often ruin our lives now ryan before we get into these surprise questions we did we did promise that we would talk about uh love people use things yes not necessarily the book although we can but which comes out i think in we're, we're looking at july of 2021 that way mm-hmm. we can do a book tour with it hopefully yeah um but man um love people use things as in we have a language problem. Yes. And we often say that we love... Well, I, I love this cup. Yeah, I love this cup. It's my favorite cup. I love it. But then I love Podcast Sean. Right. I love Netflix's Jordan Moore. Right. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's his new nickname because of his cameo in our film. Oh, nice. It's uh, Netflix's yeah. Jordan Moore. That's I like right. it. I like it. He, uh, he, he actually- changed his Twitter handle. <laughs> 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 Uh, you're oh, definitely okay. gonna get verified now, Jordan. Yeah. No, you brought uh, you brought it. Up. I didn't even realize it struck a chord with you. But, uh, well, no, we it struck a chord with me when we, we had this conversation with Rob. With Rob, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you, you said I, I think I I think this is one of the places where we disagree. And my first inclination is I hope not because we just wrote a book about this. <laughs> uh, but I don't think we actually dis. What, what do we disagree on? We disagree on. Uh, like, I think we should actually use people and love things no it's the word love yeah it's like the word cool man that's cool man yeah you know i'm not gonna be like whoa 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 have you checked my temperature (laughs) yeah we've got a language problem right like i wouldn't make someone feel bad this this all this was in root with ella Uh and how you were going out of your way to help her use the word love. I'm trying to I'm trying to help what I'm trying to help her do is not use the word love but how to, to detach her emotional feelings to inanimate objects. Yes, yes. And which I totally agree. Um it's just it, with Ella specifically, uh-huh. I was saying we disagree because it's like her using the word cool. Like there's a context. Yeah. When people when people say things and I guess like we really have to be for me I want to be careful when I'm like making someone feeling bad for something yeah or not even making them feel bad but really trying to change their perspective yeah um yeah that's all that's all that that was man no I obviously like you want to love people and use things right you don't want to love things right um but if a six-year-old is being like oh man I love this robe uh-huh I mean it's uh, you know it's like now Ella I know contextually what you mean, uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, the, the denotated form of the word love, Ella, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, you know, we just have to, for me, I feel like I need to, so not we, I need to pick and choose when I'm going to really harp on that word yeah. and make someone feel like you're not using that word properly. Yeah. And, and to be clear, I would never, like someone goes up on the street and say, they say, I, you know, I love your shoes to me. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, well, actually. Right. <laughs> right. Of right, course right. I'm not. Right, right. Now, I, 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 but I do think that the most appropriate place is for, for me to talk about this is, is actually with my daughter. Yeah. Be, because I, I could see that. What, yeah. what I'm trying to do is instill a particular set of values in her. Mm-hmm. But I'm also learning through this whole process. I'm learning that like, yeah, as kids, 
I remember as a kid, I loved some stuff. Yes. And that's the that's an actual problem for us as adults. We're, so what I'm saying is we're behaving like, as children. Yes. And, and if you love something, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. Now, if you're coming to me and, and you're asking for advice, mm-hmm. you're saying, I'm having trouble getting rid of the things I love, then yeah, I'm probably going to say, well, that is the problem. A, yes. So and, let me let me just say one one yeah, last thing. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, I think language is important, and, and what I mean by that is all of our thoughts center around language. I think mm. consciousness precludes language. We're conscious, obviously, without language, mm-hmm. but all of our thoughts and the way that we orient the world is associated with language. Yeah. And in in the book, I, I even talk about how. The um, people of of none of it, the um, uh, First Nation people, which will also become the new America here when global warming takes over. <laughs> <laughs> they have fifty three up to, up to fifty three words for mm. different types of snow, mm. whereas here in Southern California we have one word for it. Yeah, snow. Right. And and what I w- well I don't expect we have something as robust for love. Mm-hmm. It feels to me like. Uh, we we probably we need something different to describe these different emotions. I totally agree, man. Well, it's interesting because like French, they do have different words for love, right? Like that's the whole agape thing, which is funny because like it's so agape is so overused that like I cringe when I hear it sometimes. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, we. I, I would love if the English language started to have different words mm-hmm. for love. In, in fact, uh, because really, what that means is you know this thing makes me feel good it it brings me a lot of joy it brings me a lot of value yeah and, yeah. and, and right now we, we instead we have to describe the thing because we don't have the words so instead of i love this thing now i can't say i enjoy this thing mm-hmm. right in fact yeah. that 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 tends to be the default i go for now yeah and, and i still find myself even me as one of the titular minimalists, I, I I still struggle with. Oh yeah, man! You see our new bookmarks. I love the way. I love it. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and and I catch myself. So I get it. It's a cultural problem, but language is so important mm-hmm. because when we love something, yeah, we are by definition attaching a, a, a emotion to it. And if we're attaching emotion to it, that's when it's a problem. Exactly. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. that's where we absolutely do agree what i was indicating is that it's a colloquialism yes that's very commonly accepted Uh and nine times out of ten when someone's like oh man i love this coffee Uh it's a colloquialism it's like saying like man that shirt's cool yeah it's just it doesn't it's not really meant to have emotion attached to it but yeah if you see your kid or anyone else that is looking for your two cents that yeah. is attaching emotion to an object and they're using that word love, then yeah, I mean, I think it's very valuable to help people understand like, hey, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not going to help you in the long run to attach that emotion to that object. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, we, in, in fact, if we treat love as precious and sacred, because I believe that, that it is, mm-hmm. and not, not just like spousal love, but, but, the love for you know, that I have for Netflix's Jordan Moore, or or podcast Sean or you. Wait, uh, Sean's in the in the documentary too. Uh, he actually is. Yeah, for toward, like a brief second. Yeah, toward toward the very end. Yeah, 
Yeah, but we blurred his face out and and, uh, <laughs> and his feet. You have to join his OnlyFans for that. <laughs> for his feet pics. <laughs> yeah. It's 15 cents a month. Oh, my God. <laughs> I signed up twice. <laughs> All right, um, so do we agree now? Do we agree yeah, again? Yeah, let me just say, let me finish with this. No. I can't just wait. Kidding. I can't wait, especially the, the last chapter. I was rereading it this morning because I have a friend who is going through a tough time in, in his relationship and uh, we were sending back and forth some things about love and I'm like let me just send you uh, a couple pages from the end of the book because uh, there's a section in there you, you know obviously know the term uh, less is more we all we, and so the last section of the book is called love is more mm. and and um, I define love, as you know, I mean, you, you've seen the book, yes. obviously, but like I define love in this way that I can't wait to discuss it's too soon, and this is not the appropriate podcast episode, but I, I've never heard someone discuss love the way that it's discussed and love people use things. <laughs> or another way said is you've never heard love discussed in the way you discuss it. <laughs> 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 well, it's not just me though. I'm citing other people's examples, as you know. No, man, it uh, is it is an amazing book, and yeah, I I, I can't wait till it comes out because I think, I, you know, everything that remains. We, so we were talking about this. I was saying how uh, personally, everything that remains, I I like more. But now that I'm like talking about love, people use things. It's not that I like more. I just like it different. Yeah, yeah it's like the different not, books. Yeah, because. Everything that remains is a, is a fun nonfiction narrative. Like you can get lost in the story. Mm-hmm. Where love people use things is like you got to take it seriously the entire time, but for very good reason. Right. Although in the, you know the truth chapter, uh, oh, there, yeah, there's hilarity. But that it's actually that the true. most serious part are the things that we joke about. Yeah, that's true. And, and so that that whole thing about if you really want to talk about something that is just devastatingly serious yeah you can't even approach it head on yeah and so you have to use jokes so so there's laugh out loud funny parts in this book i can't wait to go on tour with it and read it in front of people oh, it's gonna be so good yeah it's gonna be great can't wait anyway uh we got some surprise questions here diana says what ryan diana says i struggle with wanting to learn about high quality items i can buy in order to replace the cheaper things i own the notion of additional consumption in order to ultimately own and consume less. So uh, Diana is basically having a problem with wanting to replace her low quality items mm-hmm. with higher quality items. Yeah. And it's interesting because during the pandemic, I see people getting bored. Mm. And so then they start to make reason or excuses to shop online and maybe even to shop in person. Because uh, you know retail stores are starting to open back up, although some of them will never open back up. I don't know, man. I struggle with this too, but as one of the minimalists, I'm perfect, so I don't struggle with it anymore. <laughs> no, man. I, you know, uh, the thing that stands out the most to me is my stinking, and even talking about it kind of makes me be like, I just need to do it, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, my scale and my kettle. So if my coffee scale and the kettle I use to heat the water, yeah. I bought them both from Blue Bottle. They work great. They work great. Now, what's funny is I've had to replace these things at least once. Blue Bottle, I went back to Blue Bottle and got these same exact things, okay? They la- they both only lasted about a year and a half. 
So um, I went back to Blue Bottle, rebought those things. That was like three years ago. So something either I was doing or the quality, like something has changed where these are lasting longer than they did the first time. But within those three years, Blue Bottle now has this like gorgeous kettle. I mean, it's freaking art, man. It's yeah. amazing. It does the same exact thing that my kettle does now. Um, it's just, it's unbelievably beautiful though. And the same thing with the scale. Uh-huh. They have a coffee scale that like matches the kettle and it is, it's art. Again, the scale is art. The kettle is art. And I could even justify and say, you know what? I'm going to enjoy these things more, which might be true. But I also yeah. understand that it's it's such a ephemeral joy that I'll get from those things that I'm willing to put it off until I absolutely need to replace it. Yeah. So, you know, how does this translate for Diana? Diana, the more you go with out the more you're going to see whether or not you need it and like with this kettle and with this scale like the more and more i go without it the more and more i'm like yeah ryan like you really don't you really don't need that beautiful scale and that beautiful kettle because aesthetics are important to me now if i was ocd like someone i know (laughs) actually dude you are someone i know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you have the same exact scale and kettle I do. Right, I do. Oh, dude, so maybe you could talk about that because aesthetics are important to you. They are. So how come you haven't went out and got this? You know what scale and kettle I'm talking about, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's one word that I wrote it down, the fact that you were talking. Uh, the word is enough. Mm. And, and you're right. In fact, if I had a really chintzy, ugly-looking one... Yeah. Okay. That's different. Th- then I would probably replace it. Now, now Diana's question, and I think that's where she is. She's in this place where these certain things work uh, for her functionally, but they are they, they don't work for her aesthetically. They're not beautiful. Mm. Now, I do think beauty is important. In fact, uh, one of my favorite lines from our new film, which has been cut uh, from the film, <laughs> um, our favorite cut line from the film. It really is. It's yeah. my, actually my favorite line from any of the interviews when Erwin uh, McManus was talking about how beauty is essential. Yeah, and I I totally agree with that. I, I think beauty is essential. You know, it's the reason that people go out into nature and in the middle of the forest. It's 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 just pure beauty. Yeah, and it's astonishing, right? We use these words that 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 describe some higher being or mm. or. or other out, out of this world experience otherworldly experience and and so um i do think beauty is important however i do th- agree with nicodemus here because it's quixotic to think that in order to fix my stuff problem i'll just buy the right stuff yeah that really does sound like a scene out of don quixote right like mm-hmm. like well i'll just it, it, because you may want to deprive yourself temporarily that's the reason ryan did his packing party for 21 days is it wasn't about getting rid of everything and depriving himself in perpetuity it was about let me deprive myself temporarily because i don't even know what's adding value anymore Mm -hmm. and what isn't adding value and i think what you'll learn is you'll get by just fine without it and in fact the bones are often the beauty the beauty of my kitchen has little to do with the kettle that i have and that the coffee bean grinder and the blender and everything else but is that my counters are clutter free mm. that oh and, and so so you that, don't necessarily see those things right yeah so yeah if you're not seeing them then you don't need to you don't need to replace them if you're not seeing them on a regular basis 
Interesting. Yeah, and last thing I'll say is I, I, I came across this recently as well. I, uh, you know, I have six jackets currently, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, I should just get one new jacket for this season, and I'll replace all of these six jackets with that one. <laughs> that, that was literally in my mind. Yeah, one and six out. Yeah, right. And um, and then I, I I thought to myself, well, I, in fact, I I employed several different rules here. That was the first rule, the ten, the the one in ten out rule. I was yeah. like, do I have ten things I want to get rid of to get one jacket? Yeah. Not really. I've got six. I guess I could get rid of, but I actually enjoy wearing at least five of these. Let me get rid of this one. Okay, now it's down to five jackets. Actually, it was the opposite. It was seven. Now it's six. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, um, but I I realized like, oh. There are other rules here that certainly work. So we have the wait for it rule. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this so much more even with, with... So the wait for it rule is if it costs more than $30, I wait at least 30 hours. So right. like any purchase that's even a medium purchase, I have to wait at least a day. So on Amazon, it's so easy to what? One click. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, it's for there immediately. In fact, you just click it, and all of a sudden your doorbell rings. And <laughs> like they the knew thing. it. Yeah. They knew you were going to buy it. Yeah, it's, oh it's the algorithm. Yeah. And and so I, I found that um, I was doing that a little bit too frequently with things that – things I may buy, like even like sponges or, or whatever I'm going to purchase. And so now I've just been adding things to my cart, and then – on Sundays, I evaluate my cart, and you wouldn't mm. believe the number of things I just delete, 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 delete. Yeah. It's most of it. That's a great idea. And and so even if it's a five dollar item, and then uh, end of day Sunday, then I'll go ahead and say, all right, well here's the items I'm, I'm actually going to keep uh, keep in my cart and purchase the mm. things I I truly need because I'm no longer attached to the thing. Once I put it in my cart, I'm able to let go of it. Mm-hmm. And then once it, I go sort through the car, I don't have any attachment. Oh yeah, you know what? I n- thought I needed that, but or I thought I wanted it, but man, I don't even want to get another box. This is just a pain in the butt. And yeah. so realizing that when you bring more stuff into your house, Diana, it might just be a giant pain in your ass acquiring these new things yeah and you're gonna have to take care of them just like you have to take care of the things you have now i think the better solution is yes replace things that absolutely need to be replaced but get rid of the things and try not to replace them for a while yeah you'll probably be just fine without it yes matthew has a question for us love the show no you don't (laughs) i'd love to know more. you enjoy the show matthew (laughs) you son of a bitch i'd love to know no you'd like to know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's just patronizing you. Hey, ban him from Patreon, John. <laughs> uh, I'd love to know more about the hidden materialism of our immaterial world. Digital platforms may be great when it comes to music, films, etc., but what is the material flip side of technology's infrastructure? Well, I think the low-hanging fruit there is like upgrades, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a smartphone is a smartphone, gives you access to what you need. Right. Um, but then you've got different kinds of smartphones and yeah. every smartphone is trying to be more beautiful than the next. Um, the new BlackBerry comes out next year. Really? They're still around? They'll, they were purchased again. Their mobile division was. Get out of here, dude. Yeah, and I'm going to be... It's going to be my object A for all of 2021. You already went through this with yourself. I know. I, I'm not going to actually get it. I'm just, oh, it's I don't be, really I want you. object A, so that's going to be my object A. I'll oh, fetishize it. I'll, brilliant. I'll, I'll watch some YouTube videos about it. That's great, man. It's compersion. Compersion. Yeah. Dude, no, I really... Yeah, I think that technology does such a good job of looking slick and like coming out with something new. In fact, we know 
that technology companies they'll have this they'll have version A, mm-hmm. but like they're like, ah, oh, we're gonna wait a year or two to release version A. What we're gonna give you instead is version D, then version C, then and it's all this build up to version A because uh-huh. they want you to constantly upgrade. Right. So there's a little bit of temptation there. How old is your How old is your MacBook, Josh? Way too old. It's it, it it needs to be replaced. I'm waiting for it to die. The screen sucks. Um, well, maybe six, seven years old. I, I'm not really sure. Yeah. But, um, it's it's a piece of crap at this point. But right. At, right now, it's still the, the only thing I really use it for is check emails and write. But that's just it, man. It's like it's still doing what it needs needs to do most of the time. Yes. And I got to tell you, when you upgrade your MacBook, there's going to be an impulse in me to be like, "Well, I might as well upgrade mine. Mine's the same age." Yeah. But the truth is, is mine still works great. Right, right. So there's no reason for me to, to yeah, to to to, to upgrade. It's uh, yeah. Uh, what else? What else are we missing here, Josh? You talked about well, we use this word in the minimal episode, sexy. When 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 we talk about technology, we often talk about how sexy the new smartphone is. Now mm-hmm. you and I don't talk this way, but you no. c- people certainly talk this way, right? right? Yeah. And and so what do they mean? They mean it's seductive. Right. Now let's talk about what seduction actually means. Seduction by definition means to promise more than you can deliver. Yeah. Now we all want to be seduced, sure. right? But we also have to recognize you want know, to be seduced generally by other people. I want to be sedu- uh, seduced by by Bex. Um, and, and realizing though, in that seduction, actual seduction, you can't, you can't deliver what is promised. Yeah. And that is doubly true when we start anthropomorphizing our devices and saying this phone is sexy. Well, it certainly can't deliver that. No. Uh, I mean, I guess it can provide porn or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like it, it, it is not, it is never going to live up to the promise that it delivers. However, if you get it as a tool, it's no longer expecting to be. You're not never seduced by tools. Right. You never think about the 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 jigsaw or the hammer or the, the box of nails as seductive. Yeah. No, they're functional. Yeah. And if your tool works that way, then I think uh, I, I think. You need, if you start thinking of technology as tools, then you're in a much better place. One other thing for Matthew, hmm. I think it's completely fine to love the show. And, and what I mean by that is... It's not a thing. It's not a thing, but also it involves people. It, the show wouldn't function if, if oh, it Ryan. weren't for me and Ryan, right? Matthew, so, you've been reinstated as a patron. <laughs> <laughs> what we're saying is, yeah, thank you for loving us. We, we certainly appreciate that. Zachary has a question for us. When did retail therapy become an acceptable prescription to remedy negative thoughts and feelings? I don't think it's ever been acceptable. Right. I think it's been accepted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it's ever been acceptable. Yeah. And, and I guess the, the question, the real question you have to follow up with that is to whom, right? Yeah. And and I would just have to flip the question back to you, Zachary. When did it become acceptable to you? Right. Yeah. It's just like saying, when did using heroin become acceptable? <laughs> now, um, I, it's not to me. No. But, but it may be... Ex- it, for anyone who started using heroin, who has been addicted to heroin, there was a threshold mm-hmm. where it became acceptable to them. I'll yeah. just do that. I'm really stressed out. And the same thing is true with retail therapy. I'm really stressed out. I guess I'll, you know what? I'll just put it on my credit card. We even it's talked fine. about this a little bit in Less Is Now. Yeah. New documentary that yeah. comes out on January 1st. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, 
it's a quick fix. And we are always more likely to fall to temptation towards quick fixes in our life. Right. So therefore we accept it into our life. Um, but of course there are no shortcuts. Absolutely. Darren has a question for us. Yes, Darren does. How does the math look behind materialism? I'd be interested in seeing how expensive materialism is in terms of opportunity cost. How do I approach doing the math for my own situation? Now, we've talked about resources, Ryan. We've, so you and I think that the, we have five of our most precious resources. Mm -hmm. The acronym we use is STEAM. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason it's not MEATS. <laughs> the same letters, <laughs> but we don't put money first. Right, exactly. And so uh, STEAM, uh, skills. Yeah. Time. T, time, yeah. E is energy. Mm -hmm. And then we have attention and we have money. Right. What we're saying there is money is important, but it's the least important of our five most precious resources. It's a renewable resource. Yeah. Whereas our energy is somewhat, but our attention I think could be our most precious resource out of all of that. Yeah. And because you can spend time with someone, but not get, don't you hate that when someone's, you're spending time with and there's not, they're basically ignoring you. Mm. So you have their, that one important resource, but if you don't have their attention, it's basically worthless, yeah. worth less. Yeah. Right. And, and so when I'm thinking about the opportunity cost of materialism, well, we talked about that in, in this book, The High Price of Materialism, that the opportunity cost, I think, the ultimate opportunity cost, Ryan, is community. Yeah. Because we've, we've proven study after study after study that the more you consume, the more isolated you become. Well, what mm -hmm. happens when you're isolated? you miss out on the most important things. Our next book, Love People Use Things, is a relationship book. Yeah. Well, why? It's because our relationships are the most important things. Now, it's not just our relationship with other people, but it's our relationship with the truth, our relationship with stuff, our relationship with ourselves. We often don't think about that one, mm -hmm. or, or we think about it in the wrong ways when we're narcissistic. That's not a, a healthy relationship with the self. Yeah. Our relationship with our money, our relationship with technology and creativity, our relationship with our distractions, and then ultimately our relationship with people, the seven essential relationships in, in our life. And we have to start to fix a lot of these initial relationships before we can fix our people relationships. Mm. Because if we don't fix our relationship with, with stuff, which is the first chapter in that book, which is materialism, then we can't fix our relationship with people, at least not fully. Mm. And, and because if we're so stuck on materialistic living, we can't possibly be as generous we can't possibly be as kind we can't possibly be as loving and supportive and understanding as we could be if we were to get our priorities straight totally agree felch blue has a question for us <laughs> i was looking at it as look at the blue <laughs> how do i get my wife to get rid of unused junk that's been sitting in our basement forever you know the just in case stuff We've barely touched those items in 10 years, yet she refuses to let go. I'm going mad. Wow. Mm. Well, here's the thing, Felch Blue. I, I don't know how old you are. Let's assume you're roughly Ryan's and my age. We're mm. almost 40. Yep. 
it took us about 30 years to discover minimalism. Yeah. And and so I want you to understand it may take how long does it take your wife to get where she is right now? If she's 40, mm. it took 40 years to get there. And so that can't be undone in a day generally. Yeah. And and, and I would encourage some patience and I would also encourage some compassion here. Let's identify what compassion really means. So compassion comes from the the Latin words calm which means with to be with and then passion or pass us which means to suffer right and so you want to be with someone in their suffering if Mm -hmm. you want to be compassionate now she may be suffering and not even realize she's suffering i think quite often we're overwhelmed by stuff without realizing we're overwhelmed by it and i think it took the packing party ryan for you to realize like oh i didn't even know that this stuff was stressing me out this much yeah it was causing this much discontent. It was weighing me down. Mm-hmm. She may not realize it right now. So she might actually be suffering because she has some, too much stuff. Or let me, pre- let me present an alternate um, point of view from her point of view. Maybe she's perfectly contented by having that stuff down there. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bringing her joy. It sounds like it's not, at least the way you described it. She may say differently, but... If she's saying that it's, if you're just saying it's just unused and it's sitting in the basement, then of course it's excess. It doesn't serve a purpose. It doesn't bring you joy. We certainly know that's true with you. We don't know whether that or whether or not that's true with your wife. And so the place I'm going to start, if I'm you, is with compassion. And I'm going to talk to her about the stuff. And I want to say, does any of this feel like it's weighing you down any of it at all like is there anything in here where like it's just weighing on you psychologically emotionally physically mm-hmm. is that is there a little bit of mental clutter that's associated with this and i'd probably start there but in a way that is not accusatory because your question i know you didn't mean it to be but it is accidentally that's why language is so important it's mm-hmm. accidentally accusatory mm-hmm. it's it's putting yourself on a pedestal and and i know the view from the high horse is great Mm. but when we're looking down at someone it's certainly not a compelling way to get their buy-in yeah it makes me think of the acronym tara um you know tolerate accept respect appreciate and you need to get to a point where you appreciate your wife for who she is and from there then once she sees that you appreciate her she might be willing to listen a bit more, but ultimately I know when I want someone to do something for me that they are vehemently opposed to doing, Mm -hmm. usually I will have to put forth something of myself that they can see like, oh, wow, like Ryan is doing that for me and I know he doesn't want to do that. And then that encourages them like, okay, what does Ryan really need me to do that I'm not willing to do? Mm. And it's not manipulation. It's not anything other than going through that that acronym. And uh, if you can focus on that, then maybe your wife, and you know, with some of the advice that Josh gave, maybe your wife will let go of some of that stuff. But ultimately, uh, you've got to be willing to accept her for who she is, warts and all. Yeah, and, and and if you can get there, that's when you can start to work together. Brandon has a question for us, Ryan. How do I find the line between quality products and getting too focused on earning enough to afford nice things, car, clothes, appliances? Hmm. So 
think so too often we confuse uh, cost with quality, and so of course, of course, quality is not dictated by the cost of an item. Right. We've all purchased. I mean, here's a prime example: the Range Rover. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, one of the most expensive cars that that's on the road. And apparently is the one with the most trouble. Yeah, there's a guy who literally has a, jo- a mechanic shop for Range Rovers. He takes new Range Rovers and replaces everything that we know is going to go wrong with that vehicle. <laughs> brand new. And we're talking a $100,000 car probably. Yeah, he fixes brand new Range Rovers. And, and it's not nearly as reliable as a used Toyota Corolla. Right. So so I want you to think about that. You Don't, don't confuse. Now, sometimes... Uh, the the it is true that if if something is really cheaply made by you know, it, fast fashion when you when you see a t-shirt that's four dollars at h and m yeah it's probably not going to last you very long right because it was made with cheap materials by underpaid workers and the 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 it's not meant to last long. Mm-hmm. And so what you want to do is you want to find the middle ground. What is the Toyota Corolla or Toyota Camry mm-hmm. of that particular good or service? That's more expensive than buying a beater, mm-hmm. but it's going to get you a lot farther in the long run. And I think the same is obviously true with many of the things that we bring into our life. There is a comfortable medium. There's a balance. Mm-hmm. And... Until you're able to get that, there's always that option of temporarily going without. Yeah. It takes a lot of work to, to make informed purchasing decisions when it comes to the things that he brought up specifically. Appliances, cars, uh, maybe clothes is a little easier. But like I remember needing to buy a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And you go to the vacuum store and it's like, oh, buy this Dyson for $500. And I'm right. like, I don't have $500 to spend on a vacuum. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, I don't have $500. Now what? Do I just buy one that's cheap? And then you, you get into this this uh this mental exhaustion of, of what Brandon is dis- I'm sorry what Jeremy is describing here of making a choice uh so you get informed like I went and I signed up for consumer reports mm-hmm. which I never thought I would sign up for consumer reports it was like five bucks a month online yeah and I literally just spent five bucks so I could have them give me the answer and it ended up being a 49 dollar Hoover vacuum that r- there was a rank number one which was like one of the Dysons but then, like, number two was a $49 Hoover vacuum. And guess what? The thing worked awesome. And I gave it away because uh, I don't have carpet anymore. I gave it away. I forget who. But they were like, dude, this vacuum's amazing. I'm like, I know. And it was 49 bucks. Wow. So there's a way to make an informed decision. It takes a little bit of work. But this is how you can deal with this this ex- exhaustion that you are experiencing, Jeremy. Do you Tad. want to answer Tad's? All right, cool. Yeah. Minimalism might be seen as privilege. Not eating stuff for work, having access to technology and services that replace things, having access to cultural, natural amenities for entertainment. How would you push back on that? I wouldn't. I, I agree. Minimalism is a great privilege. Yeah. And I, I, it's a, thankfully a privilege that everyone has access to. Yeah. And and so um, it's the privilege of, of good habits. It's the privilege of intentionality. Mm-hmm. And I think it solves both first world and third world problems because ultimately minimalism is about being intentional with the resources that we have. Yeah. It's not necessarily about not needing stuff for work. I need stuff mm-hmm. for work. I've got, look, I got this 
you're watching this on video, I've got a coffee mug here, I've got a glass, I've got a computer, I've got books, I've got this timer, I've got this microphone in front of me, I've got this desk, I've got this chair, we have file cabinets, we have Podcast Sean, and Netflix's Jordan Moore. Yeah. Um, we, we need people, we need resources, I have a bookmark. I need things for work. So it's about having the right things, the appropriate amount of things, Tad. And and so you're talking about having access to cultural and natural amenities. Yeah, I think it's great. We live in Los Angeles and pre-pandemic Los Angeles, the reason the, the cost of living is so high here is you have access to virtually everything. Yeah. And so it's actually in many ways cheaper when you have access to renting things or using someone else's space. In fact, we're, we work in a co-working space. This one room, the studio is ours. Yeah. But the printer here, we don't own the printer. We just have access to it. I don't mm-hmm. need to imagine, Ryan, that we would have to own a printer. Oh my God. What do those things cost? $10,000? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What's a gallon of milk cost, Ryan? $10,000, I think. At least, yeah. <laughs> um, now, um, so, so Tad, yes, having access to these things is a privilege, but Ryan and I were minimalists when we lived in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, didn't have access to those things. We went without those things mm-hmm. for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I've learned is that no matter where you are on the socioeconomic scale, and I can tell you this because we've interviewed people who are rich. We've interviewed people who are middle class. We've interviewed people who um, are below the poverty line, and they've all been affected positively by minimalism. I'm not saying everyone has been affected positively by minimalism. I'm saying those people we've talked to have been all over the socioeconomic scale, and they have adopted the privilege of minimalism. Yeah, It's one that we can accept, and we all have access to. So I wouldn't push back on it. I would congratulate you. Yeah. Amen. One last question here from Jeremy. You mean Grifsky? No, Jeremy. How do you combat boredom? Oh. When you get super minimal. Oh, I was calling Brandon Jeremy earlier. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, edit all that. All right. Uh, how do you combat boredom when you get super minimal? I mean, here's the thing is if uh, you're bored, you're bored. Ooh. It has nothing to do with minimalism. <laughs> Yeah, and in fact, the thing I often tell Ella, my uh, seven-year-old daughter, is if you're bored, you're boring. Mm. And at first she didn't like that, but um, she has since, I I think, gotten a lot better at finding ways to entertain herself. Mm. Now, the one thing I don't like about this question, Jeremy, is it presupposes boredom is a bad thing, or even worse, it presupposes using language again language is important that we must fight a war on boredom yeah the language is how do you combat boredom yeah well maybe you don't combat it maybe you sit with it maybe you accept it maybe you realize that the reason you're bored is not because of your not because you're super minimal it's maybe you're bored because you're boring or maybe you're bored because you've been so overstimulated. You've been over-caffeinated. You know when you drink way too much coffee and you get like a caffeine buzz headache, the crash? Yeah. That's where you are right now. It's the, it's the metaphysical equivalent of the caffeine crash. It's the consumerism crash, which I think is the new title for this episode, Sean. Ooh. And, because when we, when we crash, when we overstimulate ourselves for a prolonged period of time, it becomes normal. It's dopamine, 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 more, 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 more. When you had that pill habit, Ryan, yeah, 
it didn't it wasn't like well i'll continue to have half of a pill a day and i'll be just fine i didn't know how to sit with myself mm. i didn't know how to be bored and i think that's why we have a drug epidemic it's people have no purpose which makes them feel bored which can be solved through drugs and alcohol which is a drug so i repeat myself but jeremy get comfortable with boredom if you can get comfortable with boredom like that's actually a pretty good superpower because you're always going to be bored eventually. If your life is meaningless, that is different than boredom. So maybe the question Jeremy is asking is, how do I bring more meaning into my life? Yeah. Patrons, how do you deal with boredom? Let us know in the comments. I'd love to hear different examples that you can share with the rest of the audience here. By the way, today is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Enjoy your doorbuster sales tomorrow morning. <laughs> I think that's all we got right now. We did talk about the sea of junk. I thought we mentioned that. Oh, yeah, we probably could. Let's do it. Yeah, so how do we go about finding quality items that bring us value when we're surrounded by a sea of junk? I mean, I actually kind of think we already answered this question with being informed. But when we do get advertised to on a daily basis, it starts to uh, subconsciously affect us. Oh, we need this. We need that. We need this. And a lot of it is junk. Mm -hmm. um, so one, uh, you know, I'll give you the same answer that we gave Brandon about finding quality items. You got to get more informed. But the other thing too with this is pull yourself out of the sea. Like, I mean, a lot of the sea that you're talking about, you're steeping yourself in, whether it's with magazines or television or whatever advertisements that are coming into your life, you know, what can, how can you get rid of some of those advertisements uh, and yeah, make that sea a little smaller? Yeah. It sounds to me like you're asking, how do I draw off while I'm underwater? Yeah. And you can't. So you have to get out of that water. And that may mean getting rid of the excess stuff that's in your way. That could be a packing party. It could be any of the other things that we talk about, minimalism game, et cetera. Mm. But, Turning down the volume, right? The best way to turn it down is to not turn it up in the first place. Yeah. And, and and what minimalism does is it turns down the volume for yeah. us. And and the problem many of us do, if we don't understand the why behind what we're doing, you can turn that volume down, and a month later, you've ratcheted it back up to just where it was. It's a new song, but it's the same kind of consumerism, right? Mm -hmm. And so you've, you've emptied out your walk-in closet, but... A quarter later, it's already full of new shirts and pants and other things that you wish you wouldn't have purchased in the first place. Don't be a victim of the volume. Don't turn it up once you've turned it down. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for being a Patreon supporter. Yes. We certainly appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> all right, y'all. Love people. Use things. We'll see you next time. Bye. The Minimalists. <laughs>